0: Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now, let's tune in. Uh, this has been a fun series, and, and this message is a little bit different than, than what you're expecting, and it's on purpose. The title of this message is, opposites actually do attract, opposites actually do attract. And I'm going to share in this message a secret that I've been using for nearly 20 years now to point people to Jesus, to reach people for Jesus, and to lead people to Jesus. And it has to do with kind of uh, discerning when I'm with an unbeliever what they expect out of me as a believer from the negative. In other words, uh, you start to pay attention to what unbelievers expect out of us as Christians, and their expectations are very, very low of us. I used to get really frustrated about that, but I actually now use it to my advantage in pointing them to Jesus. And what I do is whatever they're expecting, I try and come in the opposite spirit, Now, part of this is I'm just ornery and I like to mess with them, you know? Like if if they're expecting me to be loud and yell, I like to come with a whisper and a a gentle word. If they're expecting me to be uh, pushy, I like to be gentle. I like to figure out what it is that they're expecting from the negative and I like to bring in the opposite spirit. By the end of the message, you'll understand why I believe this is such Uh, A powerful tool to help reach people for Jesus. Now, Colossians chapter 4 really gives kind of the framework as to why I like to do this in verses 5 and 6. It says, live wisely among those who are not believers. That's what we talked about last week, right? If you don't have non-Christians in your life, the Bible says you're not doing the Christian life right or correctly, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious, and I love this next word, and attractive. This is, this is good that we be reminded that we're called to attract people to Jesus. Not just compel them, but attract them like a magnet. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. This is an important phrase right here. There is not a canned one-size-fits-all response to every unbeliever. We're called to have the right response for each one of them. And what I've found is oftentimes the right response is related to the wrong expectations they have about us as believers so as we start talking about coming in the opposite spirit it's important to know what they actually expect of us so let's jump into it here's point number one they expect us to be weak losers I'm just speaking the truth right now all right they expect us to be weak losers let's break this down weak losers instead of weak be strong There are really two options for us as believers. You're either overwhelmed or you're overcoming. It's one or the other. You're either overwhelmed or you're overcoming. Now, I'm not talking about showing your weakness. That's called vulnerability, okay? I'm not saying don't show your weakness. It's important for us to show our weaknesses, Paul said, it's in my weakness. I brag about my weakness, right? So showing weakness is vulnerability. I'm not talking about that. What I'm actually talking about is wallering in weakness. That's being a weakling. Just just kind of that. this, this kind of posture right here. Let me read you a couple of passages because if you live like that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to get that off of you, all right? Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 says, a final word be strong in the lord and in his mighty power second timothy 1 verse 7 says for god has not given us as believers a spirit of fear but of power but of power and of love and of sound mind we got way too many christians walking around with this this soul I, i just hope to make it through today you know I just and, and it's like we think that's godly because we call it meekness. That's not meekness, that's weakness. There's a big difference, okay? Think about this. If you were drowning in the ocean five miles off the shore and you, you were not a good swimmer, and there were two swimmers nearby, and they represented your only chance of survival, one of them was a really weak swimmer, and the other was an incredibly strong swimmer. If you got to pick which of those two swimmers helped rescue you and get you to shore, which one would you pick? Would any of you pick the weak swimmer? Of course not. So then why, as believers, are we walking around with this whole weak thing thinking that any overwhelmed believer is gonna reach out to us? Listen to me closely. Very rarely, Will an overwhelmed unbeliever reach out to an overwhelmed believer who is not overcoming? We've got to walk in the strength, the power of God. It's almost like Christians are walking around on eggshells, just just being really careful and and uber sensitive, and, and just, I hope I make it through, and it's as though we've forgotten, Romans 16 says, That soon God will crush Satan beneath our feet. If he's gonna crush Satan beneath my feet, I need to stop walking on eggshells. I need to walk in the power of God. Instead of, Yet that's how a lot of believers are walking around. Now let's look at this second half because we need to talk about your walk, all right? Instead of limping like the loser, walk like the victor instead of limping like the loser walk like the victor first corinthians 15 57 but thank god he god gives us as believers in jesus victory over sin and death can i get an amen how many of us are grateful god gave us victory over sin and death okay that was lame right there that see this is part of the problem right Okay? Victory over sin and death. Woo! Yeah! So grateful. So good. I'm so thankful. He's given us victory. Listen, y'all, y'all might make really bad fans because when my team is winning, I am loud and obnoxious. If you would have been at my house Thursday night as the Cowboys were utterly humiliating the Saints, you would have thought one thing. This human being is a lunatic. <laughs> Here's why. Because when my team is winning, I like to let everybody know we're winning. You, your worst nightmare, if you're not a Cowboys fan, is that my team does well because I'm going to chase you everywhere you go and remind you we're winning. Now, I, I, you know, the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl since I was a teenager. And when that's the case, you know, your friends from all over the country will text you when your team is doing half well, you know. So I had a friend from South Dakota texted me during the game going, man, is this the year? You, you guys are really on fire. Is this the year the Cowboys win? And I said, listen, don't get your hopes up because I've learned two things about the Cowboys. One, Jesus is clearly not a Cowboys fan. And two, he's so not a Cowboys fan that I'm convinced five seconds before the Cowboys win their next Super Bowl, Jesus is coming back (laughs) just to spite us as Cowboys fans. But listen, when my team is winning, I like to let everybody know we are winning. That's what you do. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory You know what that means? Here's another way to say that God doesn't do buzzer beaters, He does blowouts. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Okay, here's the the most simple way I can say this Christians need a little more swagger in their step. We do. We need a little bit more swagger. Now, hear me. I'm not talking about arrogance. I tried that, it doesn't work, and God's against that. I'm talking about confidence. And the two are very, uh, really opposed to one another. Arrogance is when you become overly impressed with your own strength. Confidence is what comes when you walk with the God who has all strength. Think about this, David did this. David walked with a swagger. Everybody else was absolutely afraid of Goliath. And David, little David, walks out with some swagger. And how do you know he had confidence, not arrogance? Because his brothers were saying, you're arrogant. But it wasn't arrogance, and you know it wasn't. It was confidence because David walks out. And what does he say standing before the giant? He says, I've seen my God take out the lion and the bear, and I'm going to see him take you out too. David didn't say, I hope me and my rock can beat you. You know, the Barney Fife attitude, which is the kind of attitude a lot of Christians have. No, David walked out not with arrogance or even confidence in himself. He walked out with confidence in his God. When you walk daily, holding hands with the God of the universe, you can't help but have confidence on this earth. David said, I've seen God take out the lion and the bear. He's going to take you out too. You're nothing to my God. We need some more swagger in our set. Now, some of us think that God doesn't have any swagger, okay? And I'm going to shut that bad theology down in one passage of Scripture, okay? Now, some of you might say, Preston, I think you're reading into the text. That's not possible with this text, okay? Let me show you this. 2 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. But thank God... He, God, has made us, as believers, his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Here's another way to say that, champion's parade. He, God, is leading us in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Listen, when a championship team has a parade, the entire city and all of their fans come out and celebrate, and they don't ride down the street going, "Woo, we did it, we overcame sin and death, God did it, our team won, Woo! no, 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 they go down the street going, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. See, Satan, you thought you'd won in that grave for three days, and then on the third day, he got up and shoved it in your face for all eternity. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Here is a really simple question. Why don't we walk like that? You get all excited when I talk like that. Why don't we walk like that? Enough of this. Our team wins. Our God reigns. His son got up on the third day. Death has been defeated, and we have something to shout about for all eternity. Let's stop whispering like weak little saints. Let's start celebrating as those who are a part of the champions parade. Here's the second thing unbelievers expect of us as believers. Point number two, they expect us to be pushy takers. They expect us to be pushy takers. Let's take the second part first. Instead of a taker, be a giver. Christians from time to time have the ability to be incredibly takey as it comes to salvation. And here's what I mean by that. I think if we're not careful, we act as though, with an unbeliever, that their salvation is something we've got to take so that we can check a box, so when we stand before God, we can say, I led that person to Jesus, and so we try and take it, give that to me, give me your salvation, come on, meet Jesus, let me, I need need to check the box, okay, we've got to remember, salvation isn't something we take from people, salvation is something God gives to people. Let me just show you a couple of passages of Scripture. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. I'm so glad I can't take credit for it because if I could, then all of the pressure would be on me to sustain it. I can't take credit for this because it is a gift from God. I think we forget salvation is a gift. And and think about just gifts in general. The better a gift is, the less you have to force someone to open it. But I think a, a part of our mistake as believers in Jesus is we're, we're, sending the message that this gift isn't that amazing because we're forcing people to open it but just think about this we're we're heading into the Christmas season do you have to force anybody in your life to open your favorite gift of Christmas that you're giving I mean do you have to set it in front of them and make them open it a better question would be when was the last time you bought a very extravagant gift and went to give it to someone in your family. And on Christmas day, when you set it in their lap, before they even started pulling back the bow, you started shouting at them going, come on, open it right now. Let's go. What's taken so long? This is an amazing gift. Open it. Let's go. Idiots. Who has ever done that on Christmas day? None of us. Why would we ever do that? with the greatest gift there is, salvation in Jesus Christ. It's the best gift there is. We can't forget that. This is a gift that's given. Not something we take from them so we can check a box and feel better about ourselves because we led someone to Jesus. No, God draws all men into himself. I'm just a small part of the process of this gift God gives through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Here's the first part of this. Instead of being pushy, be patient. Instead of being pushy, be patient. I used to feel really guilty when it would take me more than an hour to lead someone to Jesus. Because I had friends we would go to a restaurant and they'd be witnessing to the server before the entree, you know? And I would feel guilty because th- that's not who I was. And, and I thought it meant that something was wrong with me. And it wasn't that they were pushy, it's just some of them w- were anointed evangelists. And, and I have a different gift in the body of Christ. And I think sometimes we judge ourselves in the area of evangelism, by the evangelist. Well, that would be like saying because you swim during the summertime, that it's wise to compare yourself to the greatest Olympic swimmer of all time, Michael Phelps. When you're laying around in the pool during the summertime, how many of you are are swimming from one side to the other of the pool and going, almost beat Mike there. Almost got him. No, no, you're just kicking it in the pool, because you know you're not an Olympic swimmer. Okay, too many Christians compared themselves to evangelists with the gift of evangelism, with an anointing as evangelists in the house of the Lord. I used to beat myself up if it took too long to lead someone to Jesus. But then the Lord showed me one passage of Scripture that totally transformed the way I saw the timeline of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He's being patient for your sake, because he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. If God is being patient, why would we ever be pushy? Now, am I saying that as it relates to evangelism, that we should just kick back and take the slow road? I am not saying that at all. I am not advising you to take your time as it relates to leading people to Jesus. Here's what I'm suggesting you do, take his time. Take his time, not yours. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the door swings wide open, and you got to move quickly. But other times, you got to slow down and be patient. One friend of mine, it took 15 years before I saw him give his life to Christ. 15 years. In the first seven of those 15 years, I genuinely thought something was wrong with me. But you know what I learned over those 15 years? And I'm so grateful God let me learn this lesson that oftentimes the biggest fish take the longest to reel in. And and my friend was here last night in the service, and, and I said this because he would admit this that oftentimes when a fish takes a long time to be reeled in, it says more about the stubbornness of the fish than the strength of the fisherman. And that's not a slam. We were all stubborn. Many of us are still stubborn after Christ, okay? But don't some of you are beating yourselves up because it's taking such a long time to see that friend that you've been praying for and sowing seed in their lives, trying to reach them with the gospel, and you're just beating yourselves up because you think it's your fault that they haven't given their life to Christ yet. Listen, God's being patient with them. Don't you be pushy. Don't take your time, take his time. And here's what I know. If I would have been pushy with this friend that took 15 years to see him give his life to Christ, if I would have been pushy along the way, he would have pushed me away. And when he hit rock bottom, Holly and I had spent 15 years, 15 years sowing seed. And one by one, all of his relationships started walking away from him. And when he hit rock bottom, who did he call? He called us. And in that moment, that's when the door swung wide open and we drove a Mack truck through that thing by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it took 15 years, okay? You don't need to be Billy Graham. You're not Billy Graham, and neither am I. What you need to be is led by the Holy Spirit, Know when to run through the door, know when to keep knocking on the door, and know when to wait patiently outside of the door, waiting for the door to open. Here's the third thing they expect. They expect us to be harsh judges. And this one is one I use to my advantage constantly with unbelievers. They expect us as believers to be harsh judges. So let's break it down. Instead of harsh, be gentle. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. When I was growing up, uh, we lived in Chicago for six years, and they had a restaurant in Chicago called Ed DeBevick's. And this restaurant was known for one thing. Marginal food and really snotty service. Okay? Like, I, I didn't know this the first time I went. No one told me, but I sat down, and, and I was probably, you know, 12 years old. And I'm, I'm looking at the menu. Do I get a hot dog? Do I get a hamburger? And while I'm looking at the menu, the server comes up and goes, Yo, kid, let's go. Order already. And I went, whoa. What's your problem? And then I see other servers talking really nasty to the people at their table, and then I learned it's their niche. They're, they're known for kind of coming across sarcastically abusive to their clientele. Okay, it, it's a niche. Well, let me just say this. That should never be a niche for believers in Jesus Christ. It's funny when you go to one restaurant because all the others are known for serving people. It's kind of funny to laugh about, but for us as believers, it is never funny to laugh about harshness as followers of Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you, because this is a pet peeve of mine, all right? I'm just laying this before you. If you and I go to dinner and our server is not a believer in Jesus, and you sit down and I already start hearing things about the server, and I'm already thinking, I'm going to tip this person $200, and I'm going to sow seed the entire meal. And I just want them to ask one question. And you sit down, and you get the menu, and you have this really strong tone in your voice, and you're talking to the server like they they were your slave. Yeah, and I'd like this, and I'd like that, and the server walks up. Uh, ma'am, ma'am, can you come back, please? Uh, I, I, I don't think you heard what I said. Listen, if you talk to a server like that, and I'm at the table, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call you out. Because it's not harshness that leads us to repentance. It's kindness. Let me show it to you. Romans chapter two, verse four. Or do you think lightly of the riches of God's kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Not the harshness of God. Listen, many unbelievers are expecting us to be harsh because they've seen so many children of God be harsh. We should use this to our advantage and being even more gentle with them. Even more kind, it's not God's harshness that leads you to repentance. It's his kindness. So then why would God's children ever lead off with harshness as it relates to unbelievers? We should be the most gentle, loving, gracious people our unbelieving friends know in their lives. Here's the second half, and this is the, the biggie. Instead of judging, shower grace. Instead of judging, shower grace. I used to feel really guilty showing grace to my lost friends when they were doing something that was sinful. They'd sit down with me at the table for coffee or, or lunch or dinner or just hanging out and say, man, I really screwed up again. I did this and this and I know it was wrong. I don't know why in that moment some Christians think it's the perfect time to judge. And, and if that's you, I just kind of want to shut that spirit down because that's not God. Let me just read you one verse. James chapter 4 verse 12. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Why would we ever lead off with Judgment. What right do we think we have to judge our lost friends? I don't think it's necessarily about a right we feel we have. I think it just makes some of us feel better about the wrong we're doing in our own lives privately. It makes us feel better to judge those who are doing wrong. And and, and I used to feel guilty when I would show grace. I would hear this voice say, "If, if you show grace to them, you're agreeing with what they did. No, I'm not. For years, what I've said to them is, Man, I'm sorry. I know it's tough. I mean, you know where I stand on that. But let me just ask you how did it feel? It felt horrible. Did it give you what you were looking for? No, man, it didn't. See, we get further when we walk in grace than when we stomp in judgment. We are not the judges. And the good news is, that's what they expect from us. Listen, so many unbelievers think God is a harsh judge because so many of God's children are walking around the earth judging so harshly. But no one gets saved because they want judgment. We get saved because we want out of judgment, right? So why, as believers, would we lead off with judgment? with condemnation. You know the passage, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, so now there is no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. How can we ever get unbelievers to understand there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus if all they feel from Christ's followers is condemnation? They'll never understand it. Listen, for those of us as followers of Jesus Christ who are seeking to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ instead of in the judgment of the Pharisees. We need to use the judgment that has taken place for many, many years in these people's lives to our advantage. And when they expect judgment from us, we need to shower grace upon them. And here's why. Because I've found grace is most beautiful when you expect judgment because you deserve it. Grace is a breath of fresh air when you're expecting harsh judgment. This is one of the best opportunities we have to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of them know when they're walking in sin that it's wrong. We don't need to make them feel worse about what they're doing. We don't need to agree with what they're doing, but we don't need to hammer them for what they're doing. And I say this all of the time because Pastor Robert taught me this years ago. Runners run, swimmers swim, and sinners sin. Don't freak out when a sinner sins. Don't judge a sinner when they're sinning. You're not the judge. God alone is when a sinner sins. It's the perfect opportunity to show unexpected grace. Here's what I know after spending the last 20 years nearly working in the church. That there are more Christians who think they're horrible at sharing the gospel with the lost than there are Christians who think they're awesome at it. And the enemy has so many of God's children locked up in silence because he's convinced them they're not good at pointing people to Jesus, reaching people for Jesus, and leading people to Jesus. And if that's you, I just want to help shed light on this. That's not true. But Preston, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to teach you in a couple weeks. It's a lot more simple than you think. But before I teach you how to lead someone to Christ, I wanna remind you, you are better at it than you think. And part of the reason you're better at it than you think is because if you are a little bashful and and intimidated, it already lets me know you're trying to walk and grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not walking in the judgment of the Pharisees. And listen, I'll give you the back half of the secret. Why I have spent so many years trying to figure out the negatives unbelievers expect out of me as a believer in Jesus. Because I have one goal when I spend time around unbelievers. I come in the opposite spirit and I simply want to hear them ask one question. Preston, what's the deal? What's the deal with this? you're not at all what I expected you to be. How can this be? I've been around a lot of Christians, but you seem like the opposite of everything I know about Christians. And I want them to make that statement and ask that question because it gives me the opportunity to respond saying this. Yeah, you're right. I'm not at all what you expected. Here's why that's so important. I want to ask you a question. Is it possible that if I'm not, as a Christian, what you expected, is it possible that God isn't who you expected either? Opposites really do attract. And if we will come in the opposite spirit of what they expect, I believe we will all have far more opportunities to speak about our great God and brag about our best friend Jesus. Because he's not who they expect him to be. He is so, so, so much better than that. Thanks for joining us on gateway.live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.